is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, as you can tell by the sound of my voice, I have returned. Uh, I've made a not so glorious return to the show uh, after after a week off, um, due to the scheduling of of the Women's FA Cup final last week, which was an unbelievable affair. And so glad that you guys got to record a joyous uh, cup-winning uh, podcast and could hear it in, in both your voices. So that was awesome. Uh, look, this was a crazy week uh, for Chelsea women. Uh, a win, a loss, a draw, and and it all kind of happened within six days, which is uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fixture congestion. So, uh, Jesse, Abdullah, you guys are back, uh, back in the fold here. We're going to be talking about just our feelings, our thoughts uh, about the... Uh, about the week that was, uh, we'll talk about squad uh, fatigue. We'll talk about the early concession against Reading, uh, the absurd amount of shots, shots on target, and goals that did not happen uh, against Reading. And then we'll we'll take a, a little bit of a look back at the Women's Champions League after the draw to Juve, uh, which they celebrated like it was them winning the trophy, uh, which was fun for everybody. So. Uh, before we before we dive in too much, of course, we have to do a three-word match review. Uh, and I was lazy yesterday, so we didn't get our whole cruise in here. And so blame me uh, in your next one. But uh, we're going to start with Jesse uh, on your three-word match review for Chelsea versus Reading. Yeah, highs to lows this week for me. Mm. I feel like this whole week has just been crazy from feeling so, so good after the FA Cup final Going to the Juve game, feeling like it wasn't great, but kind of it still feeling like something positive was there. Then just to this like absolute slump yesterday. Football man, it just like can turn you around just like that. It's crazy. Uh, I hear no lies so far. Uh, Abdullah, what about you? My my thing is I think I think hot and cold is kind of how this week's been. I mean we started off hot, you know, winning winning the FA Cup. Everything was absolutely fantastic, and then everything just seemed to go downhill from there and became very very cold, um, both figuratively and literally because the UK is freezing, as I hear from everyone over there, uh, <laughs> Jesse <laughs> included. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I th- I think it's just. You know, it's just one of the, it's a weird one. It's just December, you know, the winter schedule is always one that trips up so many teams, the best of teams. And it just, it just seems to be running in the club right now on both sides. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I went with lid on goal. Um, unfortunately, the rampant Chelsea women's uh, goal scorers have found it a little harder this week to put the uh, the ball in the back of the net. And so hopefully... We are able to detach the lid that is currently on on the face of goal and are able to put some in uh, in the midweek against Wolfsburg. So, uh, look, we don't have to belabor this. Uh, some some of these match reviews aren't as fun to do as others. This will probably be one of those. But I think uh, Jesse has compiled a script here that will allow us to dive into all of the uh, wonderful and not so wonderful things that are going on with the club. And uh, so we're just going to start with this one. Uh, we played Reading. Um, it was at the Select Car Leasing Stadium, which is, boy, that's just a uh, a tough name for a stadium. Reading one, Chelsea nil, uh, a unforeseen loss in the WSL. Um, probably uh, fair to say on that one. It happened on Saturday, uh, the 11th of December. 
and the goal happened in the fourth minute from Rose. And so that was, you know, kind of the, the long and short of it. But uh, Abdullah, why don't you run us through the lineup? Uh, who did we line up with and, and how was it a little different than it might have been in midweek? So that's, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously there was a few changes in this game, obviously after uh, having a very, uh, you know, a couple of games back to back. So uh, Musovic got a chance in goal, uh, continued off with the same 3-4-3. So you had Carter, Eriksson, Bright, you know, the, the tried and tested trio at the back. Um, it was in midfield, there was a few changes. So Anderson and Spence came in, uh, Leupold and Cuthbert remained in their respective positions. And then the front three was made up of Beth England, Sam Kerr, who started yet another game, and Jesse Fleming, who came in. So, um, you know, that, that team was a little bit changed, but at the same time, there was, a, you know, there was a bit of rotation there with some of the fringe players coming in. Um, on the other side, you had Maloney and goal, and they kind of matched up Chelsea, according to this graphic, and, and they kind of did, but playing another 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, Harding, Evans, and I'm going to really try and pronounce this name, but I'm probably going to butcher it, but Van Havermatt? I don't know if that, I if I said that correctly. That's as good as I would have done. So well done. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty on point. Yeah. I'll t- I'll take that. I'll take that as a huge win for today. <laughs> uh, Bryson, uh, Peplo, Eichelend, Woodham in midfield, and then you had uh, Deanne Rose, Natasha Dowie, and Harry's as your front three. So you know they matched Chelsea in their three four three, and um, you know. It worked. <laughs> One counter attack, and, and you know here we were. And then off the bench, Chelsea made five changes compared to uh, you know compared to Reading's one. And you know Jiso Yoon, Kira Wright, and Fran Kirby, Neve Charles, and Pinelahada all made appearances off the bench. Which is uh, has not been the case uh, so far this year on the subs, Jesse. Uh, for Rem Hayes, he usually tries to keep it a little tighter, but I think understood the. You know the the shift in momentum that was potentially needed to to get one back. The stats are ridiculous for this game. I mean, like if you if you were to look at this on paper, you would have guessed that the score would have been about ten nil. Um, but uh, shots. Let's just look at shots for for one example. Uh, Chelsea had thirty four shots to to Reading's four. Um, so that's a plus thirty in the shot department. Uh, but only five of those on target. Uh, to Reading's one, and of course that one went in, which is just our luck. Uh, Chelsea had seventy-seven percent of the possession, five hundred ninety-four passes to Reading's one seventy-nine, which is is poor. Eighty-one uh, percent pass accuracy. There's probably some room to improve that. Twelve fouls to Reading's eight, uh, and three offsides to to Reading's nine. But this was a statistically dominant performance, Jesse. But uh, what what are we missing here in the XG? Well, I mean, even, you know, the XG 1.72 to Reading's 0.23, but, you know, the thing we were missing, the the most important stat of all in football, no goals. Mm-hmm. For the first time in 60 WSL games, we have failed to score. And, you know, I think we all knew at some point that that record would inevitably come to the end, but I don't think anyone was sat here saying Reading were the team. That, that we're going to do it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I picked out for, for my stats of the week. Uh, this is the most shots Chelsea have had without scoring in the WSL ever. Our previous high was against Bristol City in September 2018 when we had 22 shots. So this was, we had 12 more shots than our previous, our previous low. Um, not quite our highest XG without scoring, although I've only got data for that from 2018. But we did uh, play Birmingham in 2018 and 
racked up 3.24 expected goals to that scoring. So we've been here before, guys, but um, yeah, pretty, pretty bleak. Well, I mean, that kind of gets us into what I think is going to be a major theme for for Chelsea and Arsenal based on, on last week's FA Cup right after the international break. But, I mean, specifically for, for our squad, look, I mean, there it's too many matches in too short a uh, amount of time. Right? Like, so squad tiredness or fatigue is going to come into play here. Uh, three games over six days is a lot. And it's specifically one thing I want to call out here, Jesse, is like we're, we're used to that kind of festive fixture for the for the men's side of the game. But this, you know, adding in the the Women's Champions League group stages and uh, the, you know, kind of carry on of the FA Cup at the beginning of the season, we're seeing more matches than ever for the women's side. And I think it is a, a shock to the system, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, there are a couple of things that I'm bitter about. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm bitter because we lost. I wouldn't be talking about this if we hadn't lost, but that's the way it is. But yeah, it's a totally new thing. You know, the WSL has had midweek fixtures before with the Conti Cup, but they're normally against like second tier opponents as opposed to having to go out and play. You know, Chelsea have probably the hardest group in the Champions League. You know, we've had four midweek games, all of which have been against really high standard teams. So, you know, you're you're really putting everything out there. This isn't like you're playing Lewis or the London City Lionesses. No offense to those teams on a Wednesday night. It's just a different ball game. And then you've got these two kind of things that have then this week specifically contrived to make that even harder. One is the FA putting the FA Cup final in with all these games. I know they wanted it as their big pat on the back for when they banned women's football and they wanted to tie it in with that, but they didn't have to do it there. And that just feels like, you know, classic marketing over like the football for the sake of it, which again is really annoying when it actually affects your team playing because Mm -hmm. I personally don't give a shit about how the FA want to market the game. I just want Chelsea to win. And then on top of that, you've got in a similar vein of things... We've got this 11.30 kickoff on a Saturday morning. Everyone else in the WSL, apart from Reading, obviously, played today on Sunday. But because Sky want that 11.30 slot, someone has to go in it. But why does it have to be Chelsea? Almost every other team in the WSL didn't play midweek. We had United Brighton at 12.30 on the BBC today. So they didn't play midweek. Why can't they go on the Saturday? And it just feels like, you know, we see it in the men's game and it's frustrating there and it's just coming into the women's game as well. But these like TV deals, the marketing, the kind of show takes priority over the players, the clubs and ultimately the quality of football on show. Because as much as this amazing win for Reading and I give them props for that, that was not a good game to watch either. No, and, and I think you're you you even saw as entertaining Abdullah as Chelsea Leeds was on, on the men's side yesterday. I mean, certainly if those two teams were healthy it would have been a different <laughs> it would have been a bit of a different game not maybe the same amount of uh aggressiveness but it is it is a problem and it is something that you know i think we're starting to see as more money and more marketing uh dollars get pumped into the women's game th- th- there will be sacrifices on the other side and unfortunately one of those sacrifices is this 11:30 kickoff time which is for me uh, that's a 5:30 a.m. kickoff in the states. So if you know and, and again this game is not built around me and my uh, preferred sleeping schedule but uh but if you're looking to gain audience members 
outside of the local, you know, kind of domestic market, you're not doing it that way. I mean, like it's six thirty on on the East Coast. Like it's it's just really a, a tough situation for for uh, for Emma to manage. It's a tough situation for I think both teams to get up for. Like that's a really early kickoff, you know, for for most you know kind of Premier League weekends, let alone anything else. So. Maybe just touch a little bit on on the madness <laughs> that happened there. No, no, I 100% agree with you. I mean, yeah, I think I probably think the only place it benefits was probably me because it was a 3.30 p.m. kickoff for me on a weekend. Oh, okay. So for me, it was almost like the perfect time to watch the game. So right? it's your fault. <laughs> uh, uh. Well, you know, I didn't ask them to do it. You know, it just kind of happened. So no, but to be fair, most games that are on Sunday just kind of smack bang in the middle of workday. But, you know, we know that things are changing next year. But no, um, I, I think honestly, but it, for where it makes sense, the market that it's targeting, which is in the UK mainly, it's such a weird time to put on a game. Like if I had to watch this game, let's just say it was 11.30 my time here. I mean, that, especially on a weekend, I'm like, but why is it so early? It's such an awkward time. And especially if you want to get the US audiences and other places around you, it's like, why would you do that what what is okay if you had only one game on 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 a saturday and you are going to play one game fine fine you have the one game maybe put a you probably switch a few things around and move it a little bit later so you actually have something there to watch maybe have it just before the premier league game start and then whatever that game is just you know comes right after it i'm sure there is something that can't be done but why is, it almost feels like not an afterthought, but it was almost like, oh, we got to figure where to put this. Oh, 1130 sphere. All right, just chuck it in there. You know, like it, it almost yeah. feels like that to some extent. And you're like, if Sky really want to take this forward and they really want to make make this into a big thing. And obviously they've signed this deal. I think they need to really look at their scheduling in the future for next season, or, you know, and even later this season and be like, all right, how can we get the best, you know, best game? Okay, fine. And again, kind of to the point, maybe... You know, it's it's nothing against these other teams, but like if you wanted to put an eleven thirty kickoff, put it for teams that aren't playing midweek, and maybe don't put it for the top teams. Put it for one of the mid to, to, to low table sides where, yeah, you're gonna, you know, maybe not a lot of people are gonna watch it, but then in any case, how many people are gonna watch it at a normal kickoff time, right? So put yeah. that game there, the team that played midweek and played two games in a row, you know, almost you know two three days apart, give them the later kickoff on the Sunday. Um, and then do it that way. I mean, there are so many ways to kind of avoid and kind of give teams who have had rest uh, a chance to play early. I mean, so like you, there are solutions within the time constraints that you have and there are solutions by just changing the time alone. So I feel like all options weren't really uh, explored. And, you, you know, I mean, like, the, you know, United could have played yesterday. Um, City could have played yesterday, you know, considering the way City and Birmingham played today. I mean, that was a pretty intense game. So imagine that being on yesterday. That would have been a nice, entertaining morning game. So, I mean, there are just so many options, but I just feel like it almost to some extent feels like an afterthought and they're still trying to figure out, all right, how do we make it into a mainstay rather than just an afterthought? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of problems. One is just from a, like, strictly time perspective, like, We've heard in the men's game, you know, I think Jurgen Klopp's probably been the most vocal opponent of the Wednesday Champions League to early Saturday, you know, Premier League match, right? And it makes sense. Like, Champions League, you know, much as Chelsea faced midweek on a Wednesday, is a really, really difficult, taxing midweek game. 
You know, even Chelsea against Zenit in, in the men's game was uh, up and down, back and forth, 3-3, you know, injury time winner type situation, right? And it probably shouldn't have been for all intents and purposes. Uh, but I just, from a time perspective, it makes no sense. If, if There should be a rule that says if you play Wednesday in the Champions League or Thursday in the Europa League, you're automatic Sunday. Like, that is just the end of it, and everyone else can adjust to it because the best teams, unfortunately going to make that call. Um, but from a marketing point of view is is really where I have the, the issue, right? Because like, I work in this field. I understand a little bit of the dynamics here. If you are trying to grow the game, which is your job, the FA, uh, is, is your job to grow this game and to uh, provide the value that Sky is looking for, you had the top three teams in the Premier League playing yesterday, right? And they were playing at various time slots after this game was over. But, I mean, that's the story of the day. Like, you you lost the narrative shift already uh, from a a football perspective. Whereas today, there's no, you know, there, there are not really that many great Premier League matches on. You probably have a better chance to capture market attention and... You're just not thinking about like it, it just feels very thoughtless to me about how you would structure trying to grow this game and these wonderful players and you know all of that momentum that came out of the FA Cup final. It feels like you just forgot everything uh, that that would happen. So I know we've taken a lot of time on this, but it just it does provide problems on multiple levels, and it has to be talked about. You know, much like we were talking about VAR and like leveling the playing field in, in the women's game. Uh, earlier this season after some uh, shoddy refereeing in the Chelsea Arsenal game. Uh, we just want to see better. <laughs> and and I think we should demand better. I mean, uh, this this league has a huge investment into it right now. I would hate to see them continue to make the same mistakes that they've made for a number of years uh, with, with the women's game and not have it grow as fast as humanly possible. So I think that's all we're trying to say here. Um, whew, deep breath. Ready to, ready to get into it? Um, all right. So, uh, Jesse, there are five changes that happened from the Juve nil-nil midweek draw. Uh, do you want to go through those and, and anything that, that could have happened there? Yeah. So there were kind of five players coming in. Um, I think Abdullah mentioned it. England, Fleming, Anson, Spencer, Musovic. But I think what's interesting as well is this kind of team and formation is something we've seen a couple of times now in the WSL. And it's had a couple of hairy moments. I'm thinking specifically the Villa game and the Leicester City game. Uh, And I feel like in some ways this Reading loss, when you look at it in the narrative of those games, feels less surprising because we've had the same pattern of a kind of second string of players starting. Emma Hayes having a bit of a halftime freak out, making a number of changes. And this time it just didn't really come off. Whereas in those previous games, it, it kind of like worked a bit better. And I just am starting to wonder whether it doesn't really help those players when they're so clearly kind of coming in, being asked to do a job. Okay, not performing to a particularly high level, but I've got some questions with the way they're being configured. You know, like England playing on the left of a three with like Kerr and Fleming. Like for me, that's like, if you play, if you want to play England, like play her as your number nine, like it feels unfair to expect her to do a job that is just not something she does like realistically but then also when you're like pulling all these players at half time in all these games you're not doing them any favors in 
helping them progress as a team. And like, I know the first half wasn't great, but we were dominant. We had some okay chances and we were 1-0 down to Reading at half time. Like it didn't feel like it needed to be panic mode for me. And at half time, you know, harder um Kirby and Wrighton all come on it's like these three quick changes but to me that just feels like you're telling the team like you should be in panic mode and I don't Mm. think that helps for the following 45 minutes I I mean yeah it goes back to one of the conversations that we had a couple weeks ago Abdullah which is what is the right way to rotate the you know the non-starters or the non-first choice 11 players into the team right and I would say that really it's like first 12 now because Fleming and uh, Fleming has kind of made herself, uh, you know, available in that with, with harder out, but it, it doesn't seem as if this formula uh, has necessarily worked that well. And I, it, it does kind of for as brilliant as Emma is. And, you know, I think we all rate her as highly as anyone could possibly rate a person. Uh, she, this did not work. And so she has to, I think, reconcile how to change that moving forward. Because, yeah, like like Jesse said, to me, if it's it's almost as annoying as bringing on a sub with five minutes left in the game and expecting them to change something. It just never happens, right? Like getting pulled after a half of football has to just be humiliating and you know wouldn't help you mentally get ready for the next game. I would imagine. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's the point I actually wanted to make was that you know when Jesse said that you know you, you're forcing the team into basically saying that listen we're in panic mode. I'm panicked because I'm you're basically projecting what you feel without saying it onto the team by by making these changes, and it doesn't do the players who are coming off any good for their confidence, right? I mean, like I, I'm pretty sure at the moment Anderson's confidence was already low from the end of last season. You're not doing her any favors because every time it seems like something goes wrong. She's the first one to get hooked off. I'm just putting an example out there. Same thing when it comes to the front three with England. Like, oh, there is no penetration. There is no end product. Oh, let's just take off England, right? And it just seems to be the same pattern over and over again. And and when you're not playing players in their preferred positions. And and, and one of the points that I made on Twitter yesterday, because, you know, people were like, oh, you know why the French players, they, they didn't make an impact, they're rubbish and da-da-da-da. But momentum comes into it you know like like look at the way i think fleming has been injected into this team perfectly i think that's the formula to answer your question nick because yes harder was out but if you even if you look from before harder's injury fleming was playing more and more minutes per game every time she would come on she'd get more and more minutes she would start the odd game after maybe every second or third game and she would be getting that momentum that chemistry that flow with the main with the main team i feel like Emma Hayes might needed to have done that with an England, with an Anderson, maybe a Spence. Like you pick three or four players who you probably think will be your next in line to come in and really do a job when you need to rotate. And I think there were plenty of games where you could have played a Spence for 60, 70 minutes. There could have been games where you played Anderson instead of Wrighton for like 50, 60 minutes. And if you keep building their confidence with these 60, 70 minute cameos, along with the strongest 11, not only are you gaining the chemistry and the momentum with the main team, but you're also giving them a, a little bit of a sense of like okay i'm being picked with the rest of the best of the 10 players or the nine players in the side so i'm not just here for rotation's sake because at the moment to me you know kind of to just jesse's point 
these second string players, they know that they're second string players. And when you make so many changes, they're like, we're only going to be here for a game. We're just going to get rotated out in the next game. We're just here to to facilitate the rest. Whereas if you give them game time when you're playing your strongest team, then they start having that mentality of, I have a chance to stay in this team. That breeds better performances, better playing. And out of that, you just gain better uh, competition. And then who knows, maybe that play does better than the original first choice. So I feel like there, like I said, there are better ways to do this. I feel like that's probably the best way to go forward. I don't know, at this point, you've kind of left yourself in a weird position where Wolfsburg is so important now. Um, You can't afford to drop any more points in the WSL if Arsenal keep winning. So your risk of rotating more players becomes less. I mean, your chances of rotating more players becomes less because you have another performance like this again and you lose, you're way off the pace and you probably have lost the league at that point. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the margins are so fine, right? And I think Emma even said this after the game where she was like, look, uh, fixture congestion made it really, really hard for her team. They had essentially one day to prepare, right, after um, after the midweek game. Uh, she said, we weren't at our best. We did give opportunity to other players. I don't think we impressed in the way that, we per- that perhaps we should. I mean, I, I look at every loss as a team loss, right? It's it's the manager, it's the coaching staff, it's the training staff, it's the players, it's the subs, it's everybody. You win and lose as a team. Um, I don't think we have been critical of, of very much this season. Maybe the rotation at center back, maybe a little bit about the ways the team set up. But I do feel like this is an area that someone as smart as Emma Jesse has to look at and address as as they head into what is going to be a more congested uh, fixture schedule than we've ever seen uh, for this team. And she's going to have to figure out how to, you know, sub Sam Kerr out for a game, right, and bring in Pernilla Harder to to manage that those minutes or to give John Anderson some time at left wing back because girl Ryden cannot play. Uh, every single game in succession or down the line. I think she's just going to have to be really smart with how she does what Abdullah was just saying and maybe just rotate a piece or two at a time so there's consistency. Yeah, I think it definitely is that piece or two at a time. It definitely feels at the moment she feels like she has to, for whatever reason, take out multiple players at once. And I don't know whether that's because maybe in training, they when they play matches against each other those are a set of players she's playing together more so she wants to she believes those connections are there like England and Anderson are playing together a lot in training so they're going to play down the left together that's the only thing I can think but if that's the case it's clearly not working but I do also think you know that other bit in that quote saying that they only had one day to prepare is really key because I think it's easy to look at like the lesser teams in the WSL and kind of treat them just like they're a team you can just go out and play without having a plan without thinking about it but like none of these teams are mugs like some of them have less quality players but like you know Dan Rose who scored the goal was like drafted third or something in the NWSL to North Carolina Courage. She won gold at the Olympics. It was a huge coup for her to come to Reading and she's a really high quality player. And that's just an example of like, we know what Emma Hayes is like. We've seen her like when she's doing her punditry with her binders of tactics. Like this is a woman who goes into a game with a plan and it is hard to impress that plan on your team when you've only got one day to do it compared to, you know... 
a week where you don't have a midweek fixture, you're not playing three games in six days when you've got, you know, five or six days to do it. Well, we'll, we'll get back to uh, some of the physical and mental f- fatigue struggles in front of goal. And look, we're just going to have to have a frank look ahead at the schedule and, and expectation setting uh, because, again, those margins are so fine. But uh, we're going to take a quick ad break. Uh, thank you to sponsors for, for supporting the show. And we'll be right back. Okay, a couple of quick reminders. Of course, we're here every week. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're feeling a little down, go listen to the FA Cup final review from last week. Uh, that that will lift your spirits up a little bit. Um, please rate and review on Apple Podcast and give a shout out to Jesse and Abdullah for, for the great work that they're doing here. And then again, if you are interested in kind of deepening your connection uh, with this uh, group of fans and also with you know the team, uh, we have a wonderful community on Discord uh, that you can get access to through Patreon. So those are the three call-outs, same as every week. Just uh, just go ahead and do those, knock those out, and we'll be on a on the good foot. But uh, look, I think physical and mental fatigue, Jesse, I'm going to come right back to you here, is, is part of the reason for Chelsea's early concession. Um, yes, they're tired, but it felt more like a mental error to me than maybe a physical one, especially that early in the game to concede in the fourth minute. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on the sequence and, and what should have happened? Yeah, it, it just felt like no one had really like switched on to, to the danger. Um, you know, like it feels like Drew Spence is just zoomed past and, you know, obviously she's an older player. She's like not ever really been the quickest. Um, but again, that felt like a more of like a mental thing. Like it's really early in the game. And then, you know, when Rose is kind of going through realistically, like I still feel that's like a two versus three because we literally play with three centre backs. Um, and John Anderson is kind of steaming back in. There's, it felt like, no one knew who they were supposed to be going to. Jess Carter kind of goes to Rose, but Magda seems to be in two minds. And then that kind of allows the player on the right to like collect the ball and, and then for it to be just fed back into Rose. And, you know, again, as, as I just said, she's a good player and, and it's a good finish. You know, you, you've seen players like who can still fluff their lines in that moment, but she is just like a mentality monster and an ultimate mm-hmm. pro. And like in that Olympic final, she came on and took like a penalty in the penalty shootout. So team doesn't miss those, those kind of moments, but it reminded me in some ways of like 2019, 20 Chelsea, where we used to concede a lot of goals like this in kind of the opening 10 minutes, uh, fast breaks or set pieces. And we kind of go one behind. Like, I think, obviously because we won the league that year on on points because of, of points per game because of covid but it was like something insane like we we'd got like 15 points from losing positions because of how often we went behind and came back so initially when that goal go- goes in i wasn't feeling too worried because i was like one we always score in the wsl and uh two you know like i've kind of seen us have this like switch off moment before but that was stupid of me to think um, because that is obviously not what happened. But yeah, it is interesting because I think it's this slow start to games is definitely something we've seen Chelsea struggle with in the past. Right. And it's something that I thought we'd done well to eliminate. Um, so I'm a bit concerned to see that maybe coming back into our game. Well, I think I'm more concerned on the other side of the pitch where if you have 34 shots and only five of those are on target... Abdullah, that's that's not going to get it done. Uh, I think you even have the stat here that there were 
across the Juve game and the Reading game. There were 59 shots and 10 on target, which uh, certainly uh, is not going to get it done uh, across two scoreless games here. What happened? I, you know what, it's a, it's a mystery because when you've got like three or four of the best goal scorers that Chelsea have had in the last two, two and a half seasons, it's kind of hard to imagine how they just struggle to score. I mean, get it on target, let alone score. Um, I, I just, I think part of it is the fact that Sam Kerr has played like two, three games, 19, 19 minutes back to back now. And I think with the short span of time and she's, I mean, she was clearly exhausted. I mean, the amount of running that she's... And the thing is, she's not a static striker. She's a very, very mobile striker that does a lot of running in behind, a lot of running in the channels. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of surprised how she even managed to get through that game against Reading because anyone else, you're like at like probably even at 45, 50 minutes, you're like dead. Like you're probably just going to lie down on the floor and be like, I'm done. Take me off. I can't do this anymore. So I think that doesn't help the fact that Sam Kerr played so many games. Penilla Hart is coming back from injury. Yes, she she played 45 minutes now, but it's one of those where, you know, you you need when you come back from a long layoff like an injury, it's it's not a plug and play. You need time to get your, you know blood in your legs and trying to get get yourself running. And I think Penilla Hart had a few good moments, but it just felt like even with her, she made a few runs. Passes weren't going her way. Um, passes weren't going her way. And uh, you know things kind of just you know things happen. And 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 you know Kirby was you know came on couldn't really affect the game i think it's just one of those days where they couldn't really um they couldn't really do it and you know it's 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 a it's a tough one yeah i mean jesse you go back to the juve game and even back to the fa cup final i mean chelsea were unlucky in a way to only score three in the fa cup final just given the amount of incredible football they produced and the incredible chances that they created i mean you know sam kirk could have probably had uh, four in that game. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're being honest about it, um, and those are four clear cut ones. Uh, I think you go back to the Juve game; it felt a lot better offensively, even with the chances created. I mean, it's it's odd to see this team struggle for ideas. I mean, typically they're you know if if they are if they're hitting the wall, they can figure out another way to get around the wall, right? Or they. They'll sub in a player who brings a different dynamic into the attack. Is it is it just is it just the fatigue or is there something else happening here? Yeah, it's a tricky one to figure out because definitely the Juve game, it felt like there were really clear-cut opportunities and they either kind of fell to the wrong player. Like I'm thinking, you know, if Millie Bright scores the chance in like the 92nd minute, <laughs> like we're not even having this conversation, but also it falls to Millie Bright. So, you know, when like you don't necessarily want that to happen. She had one um, yesterday too, right? I mean, it's yeah, just... Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes these things just fall to the wrong player, but definitely in the Juve game, I felt like... This you've, Juventus are a really good team who we actually struggled to break down when we played them away, who really we like ripped apart. Whereas with the Reading game, I felt like, yeah, like exactly like you said, we were really short on ideas. Like I didn't understand what we wanted to do to create goals. Like our best moments came kind of when we were playing balls over to the top to Kerr. There is one really annoying like offside where she goes through on goal and she does shoot straight at Maloney, but the flag and the whistle go before like the rebound happens. And Maloney's all the way out of a goal and Kerr wasn't offside. So that 
was annoying. Um, but still, generally, I just felt like, just felt rushed. Like, there were just these moments where it was like, you've got time, like, so much time. They scored in the fourth minute. You have 86 minutes to figure out, and but everything was so quick. It was like, and because then players were tired, people's passing wasn't accurate, their touch was bad, but they still had, you know, the the one moment that really stands out to me is like, the ball came into harder and like no one was marking her. And this was true for like loads of moments in this game. Like no one was marking Sam Kerr at corners. This ball comes into harder. She has so much time. She could chest it down. She can take the touch and she can like shoot and she should score. She's literally on the penalty spot. But instead she kind of takes this like weak header, I think, because she thinks people are... And again, it just speaks to this like panic. And that's kind of what I was talking about, about these like hooking players at halftime, making all these subs, because I think whether it's the players who are coming off then feeling shit about it or whether the players coming on being like, oh my God, we've, we've really got to affect the game because it's a really big deal... Yeah. It just creates all of this speeding up for everyone when it just felt so unnecessary. You know, Reading are a team last year who I think we beat four or five nil home and away. I think Fran alone scored six goals against them and they're her old club. So, you know, like that was brutal. But this they'd never won against us in the WSL. I just didn't understand where all this stress was coming from. Yeah. I mean, I think... I think that stress is like the maybe the key thing here, right? Be, expectations are so high for this team, right? And of course, you know, bathed in the glory of a FA Cup final thrashing against Arsenal, you're you're feeling a lot. You know, I think we said even before that final, like the the way that final could impact proceedings moving forward, it could be massive. And now there's a lot of pressure on the team moving forward and you guys have some points written out here that I think I'll just kind of go through and then we'll, we'll pass the ball around Arsenal, you know, assuming they win, they're just about to start playing here in a second, uh, could go four points clear. And that is a lot in, in this title race. I mean, that's it. That's a mountain to climb. And unless they go on a bad run and kind of match, you know, a couple of losses that Chelsea have had, that's going to be difficult to, to overcome. So that's going to be a lot of pressure on every subsequent game in the league, right? Where it's not just one arsenal bad game that can get you bad back into it. It's essentially two or three, depending on if they draw or or lose. And then in addition to that, you have the champions league, right? Uh, You score against Juve, you, you beat them and everything is, is golden and you, you're, you have a lot less pressure in the final game, but Every team, you know, even though Chelsea is in in first place in the group right now, and and you know they're separated by three points essentially, Juve, Chelsea, and Wolfsburg, there is a huge amount of pressure uh, on this group uh, to ensure that we can move forward in, in the best possible pathway forward. Right. So I guess I'll start with uh, with you, Abdullah. Take the league or take the Champions League. Which one are are you? more concerned about at this point i think the obviously i think the immediate concern is the champions league because after this this run it's like we said it's all about momentum and while the momentum isn't great your immediate worry is if you lose to wolfsburg you know by two goals which is at this point it's a like it is a likely outcome if you have to think about outcomes it is one of the likely outcomes that could happen and if you do it you're out of the champions league group stages which you know 
a couple of weeks ago was probably unthinkable. You know, you think that at one point we were all like, yeah, Chelsea are going to cruise this Juve and, and we just need to take a point off, you know, a couple of points off Juve and, and Wolfsburg and, and, you know, we'll be fine. And now you're at a point where it's a realistic chance they could go out, uh, you know, in a couple of days time. And I think that becomes the immediate concern. And that can then, if that happens, that that carries on into the WSL teams will sense that and then they will start attacking Chelsea more and start pouncing and you know that just kind of momentum spirals through and, and you have a problem there now the problem with the, with the Arsenal with the WSL is Arsenal can go four points clear you even if you beat Arsenal later in the season you're down to one point assuming everyone's on level points after that you have to now rely on a City or United or somebody else to come in and take at least one loss they have to lose at least once to bring it yep. back into into contention and while that is realistically possible, I don't think Arsenal will go every single game uh, unbeaten with a win. There will be a draws. I think there will be at least one loss. But, you know, you put yourself in a situation where you're like, uh, I, we can't, it's the fate is in other people's hands, not in your own hands. You've just got to keep winning your games now and hope that somebody drops points. And then when you get to Arsenal late in the season, beat them again, you know, and who knows what the team, both teams will look like at that point. Um, but yeah, I think, I think right now the biggest concern is this, this Wolfsburg game because, uh, Wolfsburg, it's not like you're playing Servette where you can say, okay, fine, probably easy games. You can go and win it like they've shown, but Wolfsburg are a tough team. Both the first, the three three could have easily lost last season. Could have easily lost a couple of those, you know, those two of those legs. So, Wolfsburg aren't an easy team. They've been a little bit of a bogey team without actually losing to them. It's always been dangerous. So, yeah, I, I, for me, I think it's the Champions League that's a, that's a major concern right now. I guess Jesse, if you're Emma and you realize that, like, look, we're just in a precarious position on a lot of fronts right now. Are you more focused on the Champions League or the FAWSL? Champions League, hands down. You know, I think we said, like, even when we were previewing, we've won the WSL, like, the past two years in a row, and we would all like to go and win it for a third year in a row, but I'm certain, she wouldn't say it publicly, but I'm certain if you asked Emma to choose whether she wanted to win the Champions League or the WSL, she would bite her hand off the Champions League. Um, it's frustrating because we're in a worse position than we were two or three weeks ago. You know, two or three weeks ago, we were looking at the table and we were like, wow, we need, really need Arsenal to drop points and we just don't know when this could happen. And then Rohan Skinner pops up and makes it happen for us. Like, happy days. Like, then we thrash Arsenal in an FA Cup final and this mug right here writes a piece about how, you know, this will really help Chelsea take advantage in the title race and... This is also my problem. Emma Hayes, you've personally made me look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think looking at the Champions League thing, maybe I'm being silly because I walked into the Juventus game really buzzing and feeling confident there. But I think it will play into our hands. Um, you know, part of the reason why I think Juventus was so gassed after the draw is because they basically know if they beat Savet that they will go through. Mm -hmm. Because either... You know, Wolfsburg have to go for it. And this is why I think it suits us, because I think what we see with Chelsea time and time again is we are much better as a team when teams come for us. Now, you know, Wolfsburg are a good attacking team, but in the previous leg, we literally wrapped up and gave them three goals for free. Like, this wasn't some amazing... <laughs> 
cracking performance and Wolfsburg have been so shaky in the Frauen Bundesliga this this season they literally drew 1-1 with Leverkusen this week and Leverkusen are a team who who Hoffenheim like smashed 7-1 like a couple of weeks ago like they're not like they're like a mid-table team but like they're quite like fragile defensively so I feel fairly good that it could be a great way to like boost um like our just our own confidence as a squad and I think you know it's annoying because I felt like the WSL was kind of well it was literally ours to lose and it's not anymore but I think all we can kind of do is is really go back to focusing on the Champions League which we all knew was our focus in the first place yeah I I think it's especially annoying because you've seen uh two games between Chelsea and Arsenal go two very different directions, right? Um, I think we'd all uh, bite your hand off to play Arsenal as soon as humanly possible again, because I think, I I, I just don't think we're a, a matchup that they want to see. I, I Like, that is kind of the long and short of it. If it if it were a, a, a seven-game series to win the FAWSL, I'm very confident we win that in five games. Like, it is, it's as, as clear-cut as it can be. But that's not how it works. And so the reality is that you drop points against a team that is in the bottom of, of the league. You kind of get what you deserve a little bit. And so Emma's going to have to like take her medicine on that you know, now and, and hope that there's some favorable results that happen with Arsenal. But you, you wouldn't necessarily bet on it um, as, as it stands today. Uh, look the fixtures are nuts. I I think you guys both called out Aaron Cuthbert as a standout performer yesterday. It's, it's tough to have one of those in a loss, but uh, do either one of you want to wax poetic about Aaron's performance? Yeah, I think she just had like the most kind of dynamic game out of all the players there. I felt like she was a player who it felt like she kind of kept going when heads are down. It's, you know, all the kind of stuff we've come to associate with Erin. I also thought Jesse Fleming had a really good game playing in, in two different positions. And again, all of the good stuff was coming from from those two players. And, you know, if you are going to put a positive spin on it, it's amazing that we've got these, you know, young players who have really like looked to establish themselves in the team a lot more this season. You know, I know Aaron's been at the club for like five years or something totally Mm -hmm. crazy came up this week. Um, But, you know, to see her really establish herself in the team this season, to see Jesse really doing that, that is like a a real positive for me because, you know, it's, it's important to still see those players coming through and getting those opportunities. Young cores all the way around at Chelsea, which is good. Uh, look, upcoming fixtures uh, for Chelsea. We obviously uh, will play Wolfsburg uh, this week, and so you'll want to tune into that. Please, dear God, turn into that. Uh, you're going to need that. Uh, then we have West Ham at home on the 19th of December. Uh, we have Tottenham uh, after the winter break. Uh, so we we essentially are, are two games away from a, a little bit of a break here. Um, what do you guys hope, and, and this will kind of be the final word here, what do you guys hope happens in that winter break uh, you know, those couple of weeks, is that a chance for Emma to kind of press reset and maybe do a, a half, a halftime assessment of, of the league and, and FA cup and, uh, champions league seasons, or is this just a, please no one get hurt type of scenario? 
I think it's a mixture of both. I think it's a time to sit down and just kind of, I think in a way she'll be hoping for this to come sooner rather than later just because of the, the run that they're in right now. It's a chance for everybody to just go home, sit down and just relax and mentally switch off for a little mm-hmm. bit and, and, and come back fresh, even physically. I mean, people, players like Lloyd Pauls, you know, Sam Kerr, all of these players can come back raring to go. It gives someone like Penny Harder more time to rehab and just kind of get back up to speed. So I think... Everybody's going to need the rest and it'll kind of put them in good stead for the rest of the season because, I mean, you look at those February fixtures, at least the first two, uh, probably uh, the probably the only two fixtures in February, but that City and Arsenal game back-to-back, both at home are going to be key points of the season, you know. Uh, and so, you know, you want the team to be back and ready for for the Spurs game on, on the ninth, you know, raring to go. And, and and maybe Emma can look back at, you know, you know the tactical setup and see, okay, where can we make some tweaks? How can we do make it better? Um, and not that I think we're expecting to, but then this is where maybe if required and if a target comes up, the January window is open. So who knows? And and just kind of a last word, Lauren Janes can get some more time to recover and come back from her injury. And mm. who knows? I think I think she could play a huge part in in the run into you know uh, a second half of the season. Jesse, you feeling the same? Yeah, I think exactly like Abdullah said, just time to relax, to take stock. You know, I think, again, what's frustrating about these two games is we talked about this, I think, a bit in the FA Cup final review, but it feels like Chelsea built up to that game because we were maybe lacking in confidence um, after after the Barcelona loss and it felt like we'd been building up to that really big result and now it just feels like this team's kind of been cut back down again. So I'm just hoping over the winter break it's an opportunity for these players to take stock with everything that's happened like across the whole year because so many of them went off to the Olympics as well. Like there wasn't a big summer break for these players and, you know, loads of them have achieved like amazing, amazing things. You know, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby, you know, in particular, um, both for club and country. And I just think, you know, this team have the opportunity to like sit down and reflect on some incredible results across a whole year. And I think they just need to really sit and believe in themselves from, from Mm. those results. And, and I hope that's kind of what they can take into the new year. Well, it's a great place to end it. And uh, look, thanks for tagging along with us after a a bit of a difficult week. Uh, We will be back of course uh, next, uh, next week um, after what is kind of going to be a crucial point of the season. So uh, we'll just kind of kind of see how it goes. But uh, until next time, Chelsea fans, you guys know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. 